Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to episode 176 of the Highly Relevant Podcast, the show about how Latino pop culture is reshaping mainstream entertainment. In this week's episode, I welcome Marta Tellado, CEO of Consumer Reports and one of the few Latina CEOs currently running a major business organization in the United States. We discuss her career, how her Cuban heritage shaped her democratic ideals, and how her new book, Buyer Wear, acts as a guide for consumers to reclaim their power against shady business practices. But before I talk to Marta Tellado, it's time I give you my weekly recap of the top Latino pop culture headlines in a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie, TV, music news of the week. Eva Longoria and George Lopez to star in the new Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day movie for Disney+. Jonas Cuaron to direct Bad Bunny in Marvel's El Muerto. Mexico picks Alejandro González Iñárritu's Bardo as its international feature submission for Oscars 2023. Bobby Cannavale joins Tony Goldwyn's new movie, Inappropriate Behavior. George Lopez joins Snoop Dogg's MGM comedy, The Underdogs. Trevor Noah is now leaving the Daily Show after seven years. Actress Natalie Morales joins Jennifer Lawrence in Sony's new comedy, No Hard Feelings. There's a new American Pie movie in the works from Universal Pictures, and Amazon Studios partners with the Latino Film Institute and the LA Collab to help redefine the Hollywood pipeline. Facebook will end Bulletin, their subscription newsletter service. Instagram is bringing ads to profiles in the Explore page too. Apple reportedly is in talks to make AirPods and Beats headphones in India. Spotify acquires content moderation tech company Kinzen. Google Stadia is shutting down in 2023, and TikTok is set to be launching live shopping soon in the US. Marta Tellado is the president and CEO of Consumer Reports, one of America's most trusted consumer protection brands. She was raised in New Jersey of Cuban parents and holds a PhD in political science from Yale University. Her first book, Buyer Aware, Harnessing Our Consumer Power for a Safe, Fair and Transparent Marketplace, is out now and comes at an interesting time when our private data is being commodified by big tech and inflation is emptying out our pockets. But before we discuss the book, I had the honor of hosting Consumer Reports' first bilingual television show on NBC and Telemundo called Consumer 101. Hi! 
I'm Jack Rico, and this is Consumer 101. Marta, do you remember the first time we met? I totally remember. I met you before you met me, because when you came in <laughs> to do the reading, I was given like, okay, so like, who are the three finalists? And then I saw you and you just, I knew from the moment that you started talking about bicycle helmets and you were who you always are. You're authentic. You meet people where they are. You are engaging. And then the kicker was I was looking for someone bilingual because I really wanted to do something with NBC and also Telemundo. And then I realized, oh my gosh, this is meant to be. So right. that, that's how we met. And then I said, no, I really want to meet this person in the flesh. And then I had you come in and <laughs> chat with me. We connected right off the bat. What I admired in you was to have the vision to create a bilingual show. And as I still remember it until this day, is the first broadcast network show to be in English and in Spanish produced in both with a host that speaks both languages. Never been done. And I thought that was a true vision on your part. So... Thank you very much for giving me that opportunity to have that platform to do that. I wanted to begin with your roots. Where were you born and where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in New Jersey and I ended up in New Jersey via Havana. In the early 60s, my parents decided they had four little children. All of us were just a year apart. So imagine, right? You like, we got to go because there was a revolution and they were such believers in like freedom of speech and democracy and having a voice. And while they were very, I guess, hopeful initially, they started seeing that, you know, God, this is turning into an authoritarian surveillance state. We need our kids to have another opportunity. So we came here. And so imagine you come and you grow up with those stories about why we're here. And we went to New Jersey because I had an uncle who was there already. And that became our new home in Newark, New Jersey, in the 60s. Imagine that. Where did the interest of consumer advocacy come from? Well, if someone had asked me, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know that I could have said, like, the CEO of Consumer Reports, Mom. <laughs> I don't think so. I think, I really, my path to Consumer Reports was not a straight line. It mm. was, the, there always was a North Star, and my North Star was really, I want to give back. I want to be a part of contributing. And I always had a passion for ideas. You know, when your parents pick you up and move to another country where they know no one, don't speak the language because of an idea, democracy, a way of life, you develop a reverence for those ideas. Mm. And then I realized, uh, okay, so then I'll, I'll be a college professor. And, and I thought I was going to do that. And I went and got my PhD in political science and because I wanted other kids to have a passion for these big ideas. And then I realized I am as passionate about action and being on the front lines and making change happen. And mm. so I had to be like an entrepreneur. How do you like braid these two things together and create a path for yourself? And that's really how it began. It began with creating a path in public service and philanthropy, and then recognizing that there's one thing I haven't done, and that's run an enterprise and to get to run an enterprise that also has a social mission. 
Because it is so difficult to become a CEO, especially for a woman, especially for a Latina, how did you become the CEO of Consumer Reports? Well, I think it's a number of things. You don't do these things by yourself. You have people that you look up to that believe in you, that push you, that tell you you can do this. Because far too many of us get to a certain place in our education, in our life, and you realize the expectation is different for you than for other kids. And that starts to shape who you think you are and what you think you can accomplish. And so you have to be conscious of that. You have to work against that. Just be fearless. And I remember being in college and seeing uh, Ralph Nader and other consumer advocates do a television show. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to. And so I, I picked up the phone and I figured out how to get an internship for myself. And that's how I landed there. And that was in college. I never in my wildest dreams believed that where I began like <laughs> decades later, I would go back and get to be sort of chart the course for the next consumer movement. So a lot of things happened in between for sure. But I think you have a pe people around you that really advocate for you. And you are fearless about putting yourself forward in a way that creates opportunities for you. Like they say, it always takes a village. So let's jump right into the book. The name of the book is Buyer Aware, Harnessing Our Consumer Power for a Safe, Fair, and Transparent Marketplace. I wanted to ask you, what inspired the direction of the book? What was its guiding light? Well, the guiding light also started when I realized that as a Latina immigrant, Coming here to leave a surveillance state, I found myself <laughs> in a another surveillance state. <laughs> another surveillance state by big tech, where every move is being tracked, where we've now become commodities instead of consumers. And it's really tearing the fabric of the trust that we have also in our governing institutions and in the information we get on the internet. So how do you rebuild that trust? How do you grasp that? And so I saw a real connection there. I wanted to tell a larger story about our democracy and how it can only thrive if we have a marketplace that is fair and just. I think we can do both of those things. I think we can have our democratic freedoms and our economic opportunities uh, together, but they really have to be in concert with each other. Some of what I read in the book really details the fact that we live in a country where corporations value profit over people. A lot of this book works as a guidebook of what consumers can do, what resources are available to us, but it's really more about understanding the context of the problem. Can you summarize what the problem is at this moment and why this book is so significant and so timely right now? It was written and intended to be a playbook for action, a way of empowering ourselves. There's a lot of complexity, lack of transparency. What is this digital marketplace? Why is somebody whose car insurance, who lives in the neighborhood next to me, have car insurance that costs less than mine? Well, it's because there's a bias in that algorithm. And you don't know that. And it has to do with your neighborhood's zip code, not your driving record. And that's absolutely discriminating against a Latino neighborhood versus a white neighborhood versus a black neighborhood. So there's a lot going on in the marketplace that we can't see, we can't feel. And I think we're at a, a watershed moment. 
around this idea of the marketplace. The balance of power has shifted away from us. It's so critical because for an organization like the one I lead that's been around for 86 years, we have been pivotal in creating so many consumer protections and laws. But here's the kicker. They don't transfer to the digital marketplace. Mm. And so- So we don't have a whole lot of protection, right? So take, for example, everybody's using peer-to-peer apps, payment apps. You send a payment, you make a mistake. Do you have the right to get that money back? Is there a guarantee? There isn't. There isn't. So so we looked at those payment apps and we try to give people advice on choose the one that's going to secure your privacy and also guarantee that it's going to protect you. There are so many examples like that right now. So yes, I think... One of the things we can do is have action and take action and be knowledgeable. But the other thing we also have to do is we need the rules. We need the laws and the guidelines so that we don't have to keep attacking this problem one person at a time. But we have to do it as a society because the marketplace has to be fair and just. In the opening pages of the book, Ralph Nader says, unregulated corporatism produces systemic racism. How much does race play a factor in consumerism and the problems that are affecting us right now? You know, there's one chapter where I say bias in, bias out. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the road that we were on and housing discrimination, and I give a variety of examples, health insurance, healthcare, and now we know that there's in the digital space, you know, facial recognition. And we know that facial recognition does not do a great job with people of color. And we also know that other tools, I want to take something that is really recent, and that is covid and during COVID, when we were each, when we were told that the oxygenation level in your blood was something that you needed to monitor, because the lower it goes, the more you realize that you're succumbing to COVID. Well, the thing we know about that little tool that you put on your finger that measures that, it doesn't do a terrific job with people of color. And so there are these inherent biases in the products, the services in our economy that have a bias. And we need to be aware of that. So I think it is an issue. And that's why I say in the book that consumer rights are civil rights. So how do we act right now? How can we make a difference, Marta? I hope the book is a playbook, as you said. And after each chapter, it gives you like, here are the resources. Here's what you can do right now. This problem is bigger than any one person. But you need to do right by your family. You need to figure out how to go out and get the car that's right for you, how to get the protection or the car insurance that you need or make some health decisions. So you have some choices there and you have some resources, not just us, but I try to connect the reader to other resources. But there's also collective action. Mm. And this is a moment for us to really understand that consumerism isn't just purchasing and buying things that are not sustainable. No, it's about using your power and remembering that a marketplace is supply and demand. And right now, supply is dominating. And we have to push back and say, no, that's not good enough. I would like privacy on my devices to be the default. Why is it always on the consumer? Why is the burden on us to figure out what the traps are? It's an obstacle course. It doesn't have to be that way. We can wire the world 
to be pro-consumer and to put us first, not to take advantage of us. Now the midterm elections are coming and then we have a presidential election coming in about a couple of years. This is probably where we can hopefully start complaining to government to change policies to help us consumers not get gouged the way we are right now. But we can also incentivize business to do right by us as well. I want to give you a, a great example that is is kind of part of our history. You know, we were behind making sure that every car has a seatbelt now by law. That didn't just happen. So fast forward, that was the life-saving technology moment. Right now, the life-saving technology of the moment in every car is forward collision warning, lane changing, pedestrian warning. Now we have the data. We know it saves lives. But guess what? It's a luxury item. It doesn't come standard in every car. And so what we did was we told the car companies, if you want to be in the top 10 in our best car every year, make it standard. Well, now we're starting to see movement. So I think there are things we can do on both sides when we're thinking about how to change the marketplace. All right, now to the pop culture questions. Let's see if you could answer some of these. And again, there's no right or wrong answer, but it's just kind of to get to know you a little bit better. So the first one is, what was the last TV show that you binged? <laughs> That's an easy one. <laughs> oh, and boy, I didn't know what the word binge meant until I, I connected with this show. And this show was Casa de Papel. I have to tell you, uh, one of the good things about binging for me was I put in so many more hours on the exercise bike because I just kept clicking to the next episode. <laughs> But I just couldn't get enough of that program. My wife, Jackie, has seen, I think, every single season. So in this household, we know what binging Money Heist is all about, too. <laughs> all right. Second question. A movie that changed your life. Gosh, that's a tough one. I'll tell you about a movie. Is the very first movie my parents took me to. And I think I was six years old. And... It opened my eyes to so many things, but I was a little girl. So it, it was, you know, like a fantasy to go to a movie and to see the sound of music. Let's start at the very beginning. And to see these kids. And one of those kids was named Marta. Read, you begin with. To me, that meant everything. I loved it. I loved music. I never stopped going to musicals or going to theater, it really gave me an appreciation for it. I haven't stopped. When I looked at my parents watching the film, they, they teared up and they teared up at the end of the film because they also had to leave where they came from mm -hmm. to come here. And, and I remember asking them about that and it left this, what, what I still carry with me today, this notion of loss that you never quite get beyond. What a lot of people don't know is that you play a couple of musical instruments. Yes. You're a musician. No, <laughs> no, no. My husband's the musician. He tolerates me in the music room. <laughs> so maybe you can answer this one. What mm -hmm. was an album that you would recommend to everyone? Right now, I'm trying to become a better bass player, electric bass player. And somebody I think I would love to introduce to everybody is Esperanza Spaulding. La, 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 la. 
course. Yes. She's so immensely talented. I just think she's remarkable. And she just came out with with another record. But anything by her is, is, is worth a listen. And my last question, and this is perfect for the CEO of Consumer Reports, what app can't you live without? Oh, boy. Well, my bass guitar tuner. <laughs> I'm not my husband. He, he can tune that guitar by ear every time. I can't do that. I need that guitar tuner right next to me. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Marta. The name of the book is Buyer Aware. It is your first book, Harnessing Our Consumer Power for a Safe, Fair, and Transparent Marketplace. You can find it right now on Amazon and at bookstores. Marta Tellado, thank you so much for being on the Highly Relevant Podcast. Un placer, Jack. Super delighted. Thank you for having me. Just before I wrap up here, here are three Latin tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Yo quiero que enrole pa' yo prendelo, que no se enamore, pues te hacelo, que no pida flores mientras ya condone y que se venga más de lo que se vaya en celo. Flores, Niño Freestyle featuring Dax. Tomemos un trago y encontrarnos tú y yo enamorados Pasemos la noche encantados, quiero tenerte a mi lado Tomemos un trago, Chat and Alex A bailar y no queremos parar, no tenemos que You already know, but I'll sing it again I love you, baby, no, they don't take me away I know that you know, but I'll sing it again I know you know Esperanza Spalding. In every time, try to pretend you didn't call me just because I was on your mind. That's it for episode 176 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Marta Tejada for joining me on the show. And if you like this episode, please share it with your friends and have them subscribe and leave a review. Your help is valuable in helping us reach many more listeners. If you would like to get in touch with me, reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! 
the most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.